0: Welcome to the Fedora Project Podcast, Episode 3, Landon White Talks About the Fedora Modularity
1: Objective. Welcome back to the Fedora Podcast. This is Episode 3. I'm here with Landon White, lead of the Modularity Objective in Fedora, and he's going to talk about what is modularity. Welcome, Landon. Hi, thanks for having me. So we have this thing called modularity that we are trying to push really hard, and we want you to explain... What is modularity? So, if you've ever used a Linux distribution before,
0: um, you know that there are many users who kind of run into what we often refer to as the too fast and too slow problem. So, what that means is, uh, for let's say a developer, uh, they want the bleeding edge version or the cutting edge version of uh, some tool chain, um, and it may not actually be in the distribution yet because it's not considered stable, right? So. That you know is a problem for the developer because that means they have to go hand build um, those components and you know deliver them themselves and then maintain them, etc. And then hope that the version that they decided to settle on is the one that the distribution picks up the next time the the distribution changes, usually major versions. Um, the too slow problem is, sorry, that's the too slow problem. The too fast problem is when um, you have your application and it's running on, you know, some kind of current version of uh, some tool chain and the distribution leapfrogs you. So in other words, the distribution releases a major version and now they have the newest version of that tool chain and now your stuff doesn't work. So what do you do? Well, right now there's lots of different ways to try to solve that problem. Um, you you know, one way is to kind of pin to an old version. One is to go manually hand-build stuff. Um, things like copper start to relieve this problem a little bit. Um, Sometimes, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, maybe in both directions, usually more forward than backward. So this is the kind of the crux of the problem that we're trying to solve. We're also using that... Uh, using the solution to that problem to try to also simplify uh, what we understand about the overall distribution and the kind of components of it and make how it uh, how it comes together uh, more generic or let's just put it like uh, less tightly coupled to say just straight rpms and we have a very defined delivery process for the rpm distribution Uh, We need to be able to deliver other things uh, more simply, so things like containers or things like um, the different editions of Fedora. So we get locked into how we deliver those things based on the way we traditionally build Fedora over time. So modularity allows us to have some more flexibility in our build infrastructure as well. So those are kind of the two big aspects of it. Um, There's a lot of side benefits as well. Um, For example, it simplifies container construction for individual users. Um, and you know things like that. There's a lot of kind of niceties that happen as a result. Um, so that's roughly what modularity is.
1: Mm, okay. The first thing that comes to mind when you see modularity is modules. It's, it's related in some way. We have models that modules. Modules.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so the reason it's called modularity is because what we decided to do, or what we're trying to do, is instead of looking at the things that you are interested in. At the RPM level as a user, right? So when you look at it at the RPM level, it's very, very small, right? And so it's very hard to, to understand that, um, you know, what you need at an RPM level. We have various mechanisms through RPM to try to bring those kind of up a level or 50 uh, to say we do things like meta packages or, or uh, young groups. Um, and that's how we try to solve some problems about uh, discoverability and, uh, you know, kind of ease of use if what you actually want is an application. You don't want an individual library, you want Apache, right? You want uh, Firefox. You don't care whether or not it has, you know, library X, Y, or Z. So most users are in that condition. Maybe there's some, you know, when you have a developer use case, maybe there's some edge cases to that. Um, but generally speaking, even a developer, when they're trying to do you know, some sort of web application, they want you know, their Apache and they want you know, uh, MariaDB and, they, you know, and their PHP, they don't generally care about the details uh, within that, except to maybe add a few libraries. So what we do is we kind of try to have a description um, that is kind of like a yum group and kind of like a meta package, but kind of tries to fall in between where you describe this thing called a module And a module allows you to say these are how you get this application or how you get this like larger component and it is made up of rpms but it describes the whole thing as well as the versions of those rpms that go together so that they continue to work so when i say i want maria uh, 10 um, then i get this set of libraries but if i want maria 5 i get a different set of libraries right so that we know they can work together Then we can kind of couple that into actually with another uh, Fedora objective into the Fedora CI infrastructure so that I can say, hey, this version of Maria, the module, we know that all these versions of the RPMs work together because we've actually tested them all together. So we know that as a unit, they work together and we don't necessarily need to test them as a unit against everything else. We only need to say Maria is gonna provide say a service like database service on some port maybe and that that's gonna be publicly exposed but that the internals of Maria can be left to the Maria module. Mm. So those are kind of two aspects which make uh, things a little simpler. The other thing that we added into modules is the ability to specify um, what we call install profiles. Um, And so for example, there's a RPM package out there that will let you install Apache um, so that uh, HTML pages are served out of your home directory rather than out of var www. I can't remember the name of that package. I can never remember the name of that package. So I have to go find it. What I want to go find is Apache or HTTPD. And I want to just say, you know what? I want to install that for uh, development to actually contribute to the httpd code base. Or I want to develop HTML pages. Or I want to run production Right? So instead, what we do is actually have these what we call install profiles on the individual module so that the end user can just say, I want Apache and I want it for this use case. And then they will only get the packages installed in the way that that
1: use case supports. So if I'm understanding well, so the idea is to have a minimal installation for each use case try to not bloat all the disk with a lot of bunch of libraries that don't serve me because I don't develop the HTTP, the code, the base code. Right, so that
0: is one aspect. The other aspect is to actually get the library. So like if you go and get the MariaDB RPM right now today, it's probably a meta package, I don't know off the top of my head, but probably is a meta package that will actually give you a minimal production install. Mm. Right, so, but what if you don't want a production install, you want to have a development install, right? Or you want to have it for, you know, maybe it's just going to serve data on your local machine, so it shouldn't have any public accessibility at all, right? Those are very difficult to do with RPM without having to create a whole bunch of RPMs that are different meta packages for those different use cases, which you can do, but the only way that you can indicate the information of what use case it is, is if you embed it in the name. So then you have to have RPMs called MariaDB for production, MariaDB for, you know, my local desktop, MariaDB for, uh, you know, creating, you know, the new Microsoft Access, you know, whatever. But you have to encode all that information in the name. You have to individually manage those RPMs as RPMs. And what we're trying to do with modules is to simplify that both on the user experience side, so it's discoverable, right, so you don't have to know what all the different names are. But then, on top of that, from a maintenance burden perspective, you know they're often very, very similar between each other, right? So maybe there's one different package that has to be installed between the different profiles, so that the
1: maintenance of that is much simpler. So the idea is to simplify both management and usage, right? Okay, we, I get it. With um, let me add
0: to that too, with the caveat that we want to make it as um, kind of transparent as we possibly can. So in other words. Um, with the way we're designing and developing Fedora modularity, you will never know that modularity is there unless you want to go after one of those special use cases. So if you, you know, once the modularity bits are released, if you type DNF install MariaDB, you will get just what you expect as if you had installed it in the prior version of Fedora Mm. because it's transparent. But then if you, you add a little bit more to your syntax you can start to walk into those special use cases.
1: Mm, okay, okay, that's neat. Um, there is an onboarding process to work with modularity? Uh, to work with, like to contribute to
0: actual modular, like the team? Yeah, it, it's pretty lightweight. Um, I think the there's kind of multiple aspects, right? So if you want to actually contribute um, to the kind of modularity project itself, Uh, What we recommend is you go hang out in pound fedora-modularity on IRC or come to our uh, weekly meetings. We have um, a modularity working group meeting every Tuesday at, I know it's 10 a.m. Eastern, but I can't remember what it is, UTC. Um, It actually started, let's see, it started uh, today, half an hour ago, so 1,500 UTC. Um, And on alternate Tuesdays, we have what we call office hours where we hang out, we promise that there'll be a bunch of people floating around if you have questions about modularity. Um, so, but at the same time, but the, it's alternating Tuesdays. So, so that's kind of the, if you want to kind of con- contribute, if you want to go and create your own module, um, there is a process identified on the wiki for how to go and request a module and then create it just like the package uh, creation process. Hopefully it's simpler. Um, and then if you have any questions about it, come to the office hours, come to the IRC channel, uh, and there should be, you know, people around to help, and that usually works pretty efficiently.
1: Uh, we have a previous attempt to ship a modular version, mm-hmm. right? Why in that time it failed? What failed that time?
0: So, um, what's int- uh, so? Let me let me kind of explain the problem, and then what was interesting about it. So, so for F twenty seven, we wanted to ship uh, Fedora server as a mod, a fully modular server. And what we discovered is that. To, main, to identify and maintain the low-level bits of the server. So what we refer to as the platform module and the host module and then a bunch of related modules. So the guts of the operating system itself. We found those modules were very difficult to maintain, uh, required any package owner who owned them to opt in, like to, to participate whether they liked it or not. And then kind of by extension, because that had a lot of problems and was difficult to maintain, putting modules on top of that kept getting kind of delayed and blocked and stuff because the platform components were changing. Um, So there were a bunch of problems there. So what we decided to do was that that was too much risk, basically, and required too much commitment on behalf of the Fedora community either Fedora package community specifically, on them contributing into this uh, kind of baseline set of OS modules. So what we uh, backed off and and decided to do instead was um, leave the existing repository as it is, and then base our mod, like the application part of the modules, on top of the existing repository. So then anybody who wants to come along and say, you know, I want to make Postgres available as a module, then they can either even keep the postgres rpms in base if they want to in the kind of you know if you're if you're in the know on how our how fedora is actually distributed there is a basically a big repository called everything um, and then you have like updates and stuff like that but you can kind of keep postgres the rpms in the everything repo if you want and then have maybe one or two other versions available of their different use cases or whatever of postgres as modules in a separate repo but you can even just remove Postgres altogether from the everything repo and include it via modules if you so desire. And that's what we're planning to ship for F28. Um, but if you, you know, if you think about it, right, we're basically going to have two sets of repos. One will have modules in it and one will have traditional RPMs. Mm-hmm. And you know, our hope as the modularity team is that the traditional RPMs repository will get smaller over time while more and more stuff moves to modules. But in this way, we don't have to force that to happen kind of all at once. And what I think is particularly interesting about this problem is that that was kind of the goal we had always, like from the get-go, but we never figured out how to do what I used to refer to and have referred to in multiple talks and publications about this as the everything else module, uh, where people could kind of just have their content there and not have to like participate in modularity per se until they were ready. Um, but we could never figure out a good way to do it because it, that Everything Else module had very similar problems to the OS modules because it's very big and hard to maintain. So by giving up a few nice-to-haves on how the modularity infrastructure works, um, we're able to just kind of layer our modules on top of the Everything repo. And we think that's kind of a good compromise for kind of everybody involved um, because it you know gives... It still satisfies the goals of giving end users uh, multiple versions of things being available at once, but also uh, satisfies the goal of uh, kind of keeping Fedora uh, running strong as it does, right, without having to disrupt that.
1: Well, I found a problem like that, uh, similar with the the thing you're trying to solve. I was trying to install a package called Qteam, this IRC Mm -hmm. client, and it requires me to have a previous version of uh, the Homespell library. Mm-hmm. So maybe the, with modularity we can so try to solve this kind of problem to have Qting with his version of of hunspell and the current version of live hunspell to other other programs. That's exactly work. that's exactly
0: what it's trying to solve. Um, and then the problem obviously then becomes is now we have two versions of what did you say hunspell hunspell yeah, yeah. Um, two different versions of that now floating around and having to be maintained in Fedora. So uh, we do need policies around whether or, you know, how often or for how long we're going to allow that to happen. Um, and, you know, so that does introduce some difficulties, but at least the technology won't be the reason why you can't do that. We can make individual um, policy decisions around individual pieces of software or as a Fedora community or whatever, but it won't have. But right now, whether we want to change that policy or not, we don't have that option. We, it's just technically we cannot do it. Uh, Well, it's not entirely true. We can do it in a bunch of really ugly ways. Um, So uh, we generally try not to. So this way we'll have a kind of a clean version or clean way to do this, an understood way that builds through our infrastructure properly, um, and then we can decide whether on an individual basis whether it's a good idea or not.
1: Yeah, I think this is easy the way for users because, for example, I, because I'm inside the project, and I know that a lot of stuff and I have a bunch of IRC clients. Maybe for me, can't, uh, don't be able to install Qteam. It's just like nothing. I have extra. I have anything. But if we have a other, another user that just read that the, he Google IRC client and the first one was Qteam and he tried to install it and, and can't have installing in his uh, machine, he's just going to be pissed off. Mm-hmm. We try to make the life easier for the users, and I think that's really, really good for the project. I'm not a developer myself. I used to be. Uh, this kind t- to seem related to a um, concept that is managing Python development that is called virtual environments. Yep, this is sure. a kind of this. Yeah, so before we uh, you know, kind of decided to do the podcast, right? we've talked a little
0: bit about this before. Um, and there, the symptom of too fast, too slow kind of is a well-known symptom in the distribution world, like in the Linux distribution world. Uh, and there are numerous attempts to try to solve some of those symptoms. Um, so if you are a Python developer, you might use, um, you know, one of the environment tools. There's actually a new one, I think that's uh, popular now to try to solve that. So basically you can kind of say, okay, for this project, I want to have these libraries for that project. I want to have those libraries. Um, Ruby has a, an equivalent, um, you know, kind of construct as well. Um, and sort of a bunch of other languages, um, a number of years ago, software collections, uh, well, mm-hmm. and today in, uh, CentOS and um Software collections also try to solve some of this problem by uh, by uh, using namespacing to move um, the library away uh, to do something else. You know, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of some others. But there's there's got to be like when I have my notes in front of me, kind of there's probably 30 to 50 attempts to solve this problem through various from basically various different perspectives. Um, you know, it, you know they're making trade offs depending on. Who is most important to that use case, right? So, a Python developer is fine with you know, um, I can't believe I can't think of the name of it, um, but that that tool chain. But if you are a system, a system administrator with a similar problem, you want the the you know your muscle memory to work. You want it to be DNF something or another to make this work. So, a software collection might actually solve that better for a system administrator because it's basically you're doing trade offs based on what do you already know, right? And so what we're trying to do with modularity is take your, you know, your muscle memory as any kind of Fedora user and it works, your muscle memory kind of works for how you might go about solving that problem without having to use um, specialized solutions for different use cases. And it's particularly problematic and the reason why I can't think of the Python one is for uh, what we refer to in uh, the developer space as polyclot developers who jump languages all the time. You know, having to remember the syntax for each of these individual tools is very difficult. Um, So every time I need to go and use one of them, I have to go look up how to use it again. Uh, So when you switch like that and and you can't just rely on your kind of day-to-day operations, it's much harder. So that's, you know, like I said, so there's many, many different solutions to this problem that have occurred over the years. Compat libraries are actually also a similar solution to this problem. There's even been proposals of doing what we refer to as name mangling, so you have RPMs that have kind of complicated names. Um, So, yeah, there's tons of them.
1: I read somewhere something called the Voltron server. Is this related with modularity? Yeah, so the Voltron...
0: so you know we've been doing this for a few years now. Um, so the F27 server um, made, had a lot of publicity around you know actually trying to get it into mainline uh, Fedora. Um, the prior version we wanted to do a prototype basically, and that was the Boltron server. So we decided to call it Boltron. It was a joke. It's a portmanteau of um, the this old cartoon in the U.S. called Boltron or called Voltron uh, that actually has been redone again on Netflix, um, which is about these five cats. Uh, that are robots that um, they're driven by people and they come together to build Voltron, which is this, you know, big robot uh, with a big, huge sword and bolt on, right? So like, which is a term in English for uh, when you attach something, you know, to the side, right? So you bolt it on. So it's a portmanteau of Voltron and Voltron. So, you know, you bolt on a bunch of things and it's better than it was before and it's powerful. Uh, and we have Smooge to thank for the name. Uh, I came up in a meeting and it was just kind of a joke, but that's, that's what the Voltron server was, was basically a prototype version of what we wanted to do for,
1: with Fedora server. You have something that you want to share with the public, with the people, maybe that is interested in what it is like a user or what it is from the developer that you want to share as a final thought?
0: Yeah, so um, definitely check us out. You know, if you want to kind of follow along with what we're doing, we try to publish to the community blog under the modularity uh, subject. Um, You know, we also try to publish to uh, uh, the council periodically on on what we're doing. Um, You know, so, you know, check out the council meetings when we're going to be presenting or look at some of the prior presentations. Um, I've also given a number of uh, talks in various places. I'm actually giving one at scale this weekend. And, uh, you know, so definitely engage. I mean, what we need is feedback. What we need is help. We really believe in our solution. We really think it's going to make a lot of um, people's lives easier. Uh, but obviously, there's, there's some bumps um, to get there. And, uh, you know, so we really hope you, you uh, are interested. We hope you uh, follow along. We hope you, you know, just
1: reach out to us um, and give us your feedback. That's, that's the biggest thing we want. Well, thank you, Landon. That's all the time we have for today. We expect to have uh, another episode released in two more weeks. Thank you, everyone, for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fedora podcast. See you in two weeks with more interesting interviews.